Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast, and you are in for an amazing treat today. We are interviewing an amazing musician, and let me tell you about him. His name is Grant Malloy-Smith. He is a Billboard Top 10 Recording Artist and Music Row Country Breakout Charting Songwriter of American Roots Music. His latest album, Dust Bowl, American Story, spent 17 weeks on the Billboard charts, including 11 weeks in the Top 10. The Bible of American Roots Music, No Depression Magazine, raved about him saying, quote, lyrics and music as potent as Woody Guthrie, a reminder of the darker period of Bob Dylan, and it's that good, that memorable, end quote. Grant made his Carnegie Hall debut in 2018, and he has won numerous awards, including two Grammy certificates. He will be appearing at the Lincoln Center in late 2020, and Carnegie Hall again in April of 2021. Grant has just been inducted into the Indie Music Hall of Fame in Hollywood. Whether he's playing with a full band or performing solo, audiences are always enthralled by his meaningful songs and his genuine sense of humor. Grant is also an actor and has appeared in the feature film, Oil Dale, filmed in Bakersfield, California. Grant is a big supporter of women, veterans, the elderly and indie musicians. He's a huge advocate for veterans and his song Man of Steel is the official theme song of the National Veterans Foundation. Grant believes that senior citizens should be treated with dignity and respect and his song I See You is the official song of Masterpiece Living, a multidiscipline organization that supports them. Grant is the co-founder of the Indie Collaborative, a group that supports and advocates for independent musicians all over the world. And a fun fact, he loves horses. So Grant, welcome to the show. Oh, hey, Deb. Uh, Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. I'm telling you, this podcast has taken me to all ends of the globe and just meeting incredible people in different sectors, and you are my first recording artist, so what a treat for me today. Wow, it's a treat for me to be here with you. Now, this podcast is all about imperfection and being a heart-centered leader, so I'm going to dive right in with my leadership questions if you're ready. I'm ready. Ready as I'll ever be, I suppose. Share with our listeners, Grant, where your love of music derived from and how it's changed your life. Wow. Well, I remember when I was really very young, I had two big influences at the same time, and they kind of tore me in different directions, but they ultimately added up to where I am today. On the one hand, 
you know, the world was going crazy for the Beatles. And I was like three or four years old and I got swept into that. I, I, you know, I loved them and I played their records every five minutes, drove my parents absolutely crazy. You know how kids do, they play the same record over or they watch the same video over and over and over again. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> At the same time, my grandmother uh, from Eastern Kentucky was playing for me her music, mountain music. You'd call it bluegrass today or old style country music. Uh, it's kind of out of fashion, that kind of country music today, but that's what she grew up with and that's what she loved. And she played that for me. And I have to admit, I didn't really care for it that much because I was very young and you know, I had this exciting jangly Beatles music running through my head. But the music that she played for me, the Bill Monroes and the Carter families and all that whole, the stuff that's the foundation of what I do today, obviously was a seed that was not going to be denied growing and it, and it grew in me and it changed my life because this is what I do now. I, I'm an American Roots, you know, singer, songwriter and recording artist and performer when, when we're allowed to perform. And uh, boy, I don't think I would, I wouldn't be anywhere near as happy as, uh, as I am had I not gone that direction. Well, you have certainly gifted the world with your amazing talent and the meaningful songs that you have written and, and music evokes so much emotion in people. My mm. next question is you co-founded the Indie Collaborative and, and being a heart-centered leader, I'd love for you to share with us what aspirations you have for the Indie Collaborative. Well, we just, me and Eileen Sherman, she's the co-founder of it with me. We started it about five years ago and the only thing we really wanted, wanted it to be was a place where indie or in, you know, independent musicians like us could just get together and share our experiences and enjoy each other's company. And uh, it started out kind of small and then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And I, I guess we, we just, we liked it no matter what scale it is, no matter whether it's 10 people or, or 10,000 people, it's, it's still the same thing. It's fun, it's putting people together. It's a positive environment. You know, we support each other uh, emotionally. We share information with each other about, you know, how to, how to get through the twists and turns of this. It's a very difficult business to make any money in, as you probably know. Almost all the arts are. You know, there's always a couple of people that rise up to get to be rich and famous. Same with movie stars and TV stars and so on. For every one of them, there's a thousand or maybe more people still working at McDonald's, you know, trying to get somewhere. And it doesn't mean that they're not every bit as talented as the people that are famous. In fact, a lot of times they're more talented, but you know, there's a lot of things that go into that kind of success, but that's not the only kind of success that we care about. We, you know, it's artistic success should be number one for everybody. You should try to write the greatest stuff you can write if you're a writer or be the best singer if, if that's what you do, the best instrumentalist, the best arranger, producer, you name it, all the disciplines that go into music uh, and entertainment in general. That should be your, our number one uh, you know, pursuit. And it's not about money or being famous. If you get that, hey, that's wonderful, but that's, it shouldn't be your goal. It's like, it's like awards, you know, if you're, if you're pursuing something to get an award, I think you're kind of on, on the wrong path. That shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should be a, to be a great artist. If you get an award, that's great, but that's not the purpose for what you do. I, I don't, I think if it is, you're kind of going on the wrong road. Well, this is why you are on my podcast today, because you are a heart-centered leader. 
you've just spoke my language of people over profit and meaning over money. And we do things just to be good human beings. And it's not about the awards and the accolades. And, and I know you've had Grammy nominations and you've won a couple of certificates, but I know from the first time we spoke that it's, it's your love of people and the creation of music that moves you. So thank you for sharing your, your heart and your comments around that. Now, every leader has imperfections. Mm. What imperfections in your leadership do you bring as a recording artist? <laughs> I mean, as a, perform as a recording artist? Hmm. I don't know about that. Well, I guess maybe I'm not very good at delegating. Um, I kind of have more of an entre entrepreneurial bent, I suppose. And uh, entrepreneurs like to do as much as they can by themselves. They don't like to let other people do things by, by nature. I mean, I've learned to overcome a lot of that, but that's still my nature. If I could do everything, I would do everything. But I've also learned some wisdom too along, along the way, especially when I made the last record, the one you mentioned, um, the Dust Bowl record. There were so many people involved in that record, so many great players and a great co-producer, Jeff Silverman, so many great people involved in it that the result was so much better than if I had tried to do all of it myself. And uh, that, that's a case study. You, need to, you do need to let go. You have to force yourself to bring other people in. You have to get the right people. You can't just get anybody. You got to find the right people. And that's, I think that's the hardest thing. I've also run a business and that was always the hardest thing was finding the right people at the right time. You know, the ones you needed, uh, whether you could afford them or not to try to, to, try to you know, supplement and grow what you do. Otherwise you can't scale up. If it's just you doing everything, there's a limit to how much you can do. There's a limit to the quality of what you can do, honestly, because every person brings a whole set of different sensibilities and skills. For example, last night, we, we've been working on, on a new record, one that's gonna come out early next year. It's called Appalachia, American Stories. And last night we, were, we spent about six and a half hours in a remote recording session with a player in Nashville called Jeff Taylor. He's one of the best keyboard and accordion players on the planet. And uh, I'll tell you what, I don't care how long I learned the accordion, I'll, I would never be as good as he is. And uh, we just also had Matt Combs, a fantastic fiddle player, plays at the Grand Ole Opry, among other places, uh, last week and, and so on. We're, we're going to have Rob Ikes and Trey Hensley and other great artists. I mean, it doesn't matter how good I am. These people make me 20 or 100 times better than, make the, they make the final product look way better and sound better and be better. So for me, overcoming this desire to, to kind of do everything myself has, has been a challenge, but I think I've largely vanquished it <laughs> just because it's been proven that uh, you get better results when you, when you don't try to micromanage and you, know, you let other people do what they do best. Well, Grant, you just touched on probably one of the key areas of, of being a leader. And it's always surrounding yourself with people who have the knowledge and the agility in the areas that either you don't enjoy or you don't have. Right. And I think every entrepreneur, regardless if they're a CEO or 
uh, a recording artist. It doesn't matter what the role is. The leadership role is always, like you said, finding the right people and putting yeah. the right people in the right position. So I loved, I love connecting the dots on the podcast between sectors because all leaders face the same thing. It might just look a little different because the sector's different, but synonymously, it's really the same. And I think a lot of leaders can, can kind of aspire to that. Yeah. Now, Masterpiece Living, which I know is a large brand in the U.S., their theme song, I See You, I know is a very special song for you. Would you share with us the process of how you got involved, who contributed to the song, and why it holds such a special place in your heart. Absolutely. Um, you know, being a musician, I travel a lot. Well, not the last six months for obvious reasons, but before that. <laughs> and, and soon we'll be traveling again. Uh, but anyway, I was in Texas maybe three or four years ago. And I was alone on this trip doing solo shows. So I was in a food court at a, at a mall somewhere. And I think it was in Houston. Just by myself having some Chinese dinner or something like that. And there was a table of uh, older people sitting right next to me. And they were really old, like in their 90s. And I think one of them had been in World War II. And, uh, and they were talking, you know, pretty loud. I wasn't eavesdropping. I just couldn't help but hear them because they were right there. And this, and this beautiful old woman said at one point that she felt like she was invisible when she walked down the street. That younger people didn't even see her that they looked right through her like she wasn't there um and they were the older people were talking about what it was like to get old and it wasn't just aches and pains and stuff like you would assume it was it was more profound than that and and deep and i was really struck by it and her you know her statement that she felt invisible really really got to me and that went into my brain and i thought that's going to come out in a song someday that's going to be in a song that someone could feel like that like they were invisible to everyone else. And so uh, I think it was late last summer, a friend of mine in New York City, Mike Greenlee, he writes, he writes, he only writes lyrics, um, but he's had a lot of success uh, in the, on the dance charts, writing those kind of lyrics, among other things. And he, he said, oh, I, Grant, I want to write a song with you. And I said, well, I normally don't write with other people, but I, that would be, that would be fun to do. Once in a while I do. And so he threw me out a few ideas for what, um, what we could write about and i didn't like the first couple but then he said what it's what it's like to get older because he's about 75 himself you know so he's facing the same kind of things that uh, people at that age too start to face and uh he said i want to write a song about older people and i said yes that's it that's the one and i remembered that lady in the mall at the mall in houston and i knew the title of the song instantly had to be i see you it had to be a song of, of, of you know, affirmation to older people, like people of my uh, parents' age and, and even older, um, that they are valued, that they're not, they shouldn't just be kicked aside because they're old and not producing things anymore when they were, as when they were working. But when you think about the wisdom that they have, and when you think about what they did to bring the world to where we are today, it's, it's a shame the way that they're regarded by society, I think. It's a shame. And I want, we wanted to write a song and we wrote it, you know, we wrote the, the lyrics together and I wrote the music and, and I made a recording of it. And uh, it was released uh, at the very end of last year. And then um, I believe that Masterpiece 
Mike, Mike Greenlee, the co-writer, has a connection to Masterpiece Living. So he contacted them when it was done and said, hey, listen to this. This is right up your alley. And they immediately grabbed it and they wanted to use it as their official theme song and to um, and as part of their outreach. You know, they're, they're an organization that related to, you know, like the AARP, but not really. They're, they're, they do more. They're more involved in making sure people, uh, for example, they have connections to retirement communities and that kind of thing. So they're, like you said at the beginning, they're a multifaceted organization, multidiscipline organization. And it's been great to be connected to that, to, to them. It, it puts the song into a real context. It already has one, but uh, they, really, they really drive it home because that's their world. That's what they work in. You know, that they have a lot of people that every day focus on helping people retire better, live better, and, uh, you know, and, and overcome the things that a lot, a lot of older people face loneliness, for example. It's a very big problem when they lose, maybe they lose their spouse and lose almost everybody else in their life. You can imagine what that's like. So I'm, I'm very proud of the song. I think it's, it's a nice, it's a nice, I shouldn't say gift, but uh, I'm blessed to have been part of it. And I'm glad that Mike suggested that we write that, write a song about that. Well, and it just goes to show where one idea can, can literally trans, transform into something so beautiful. And like you said, you and Mike are, our seniors, if I may, and just the idea of you being brought back to that moment of witnessing how that woman felt and almost bringing it a, to be a full circle moment for you. So that's, it's just such a beautiful song. And um, I'm happy that a large brand has adapted something that's so meaningful to be part of their branding message. So kudos to you and Mike. I'm going to throw in a fifth question here because as I sit and listen to you, I'm thinking about COVID-19 and this crazy 2020 <laughs> year we're having. Mm. Now, I know the obvious, the impact on the music industry and not being able to go to concerts this summer and just everything that we've all globally uh, had to kind of handle on an emotional level, doing our favorite things. There's nothing better than going to a summer concert and, and seeing your favorite artist. How has this year impacted you and where do you see the music industry maybe going? Do you think we're going to get back to where we once were? I think eventually, yeah, it may not, it's not going to be right away, but I think eventually things will get back to, I'll put normal in quotes. <laughs> it'll, it'll probably be a little bit different in the future, but I think fundamentally, yes, we'll be able to get back together and go to shows, you know, and sit side by side in a theater, see movies, see, you know, concerts, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to predict exactly the way it's going to be. I don't know. It's clearly affected not just musicians like me, but it's affected everybody, the whole world. So I, I don't want to complain about it too much. It's given me a chance to really, um, like I mentioned, I'm recording my album. You know, if I, if I had been on the road like I was, it would take longer. So I'm using the time productively. Uh, the Indie Collaborative did a magazine 
for example, just to, it's going to come out in about, about two weeks. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have had time to, to do that. I wouldn't have had time to get this record done the way it's going to get done now. I'm also going to make a book for it, that kind of thing. So you got to look at the bright side and, you know, when you get thrown a curve like this, you, you got to lean into it and try to use it. So the disadvantage is I can't go play shows, but the advantage is I'm home and I have a lot of time so I can do things that I put off or would have taken much longer to, to accomplish. Well, and such a great way to think about that. And, and to be honest, Grant, I've, I've felt the same way myself. You know, we always have those long to-do lists that we're going to get to when we have time. And I've conquered most of mine. So I can only imagine the, the spirit and creativity and innovation you've had for your music. Like you said, I know you're working on a new album coming out in 2021. And I think regardless of how we're feeling as a global nation for COVID-19, I know that music is really healing for people on so many levels. And whether you're feeling happy, sad, depressed, lonely, there's always a song that can give you peace of mind, bring you solace, bring you calmness, just music really does speak to our heart. So um, such a beautiful way to frame kind of how you're viewing 2020. Now, I like to switch gears and uh, ask you what I call the Fab Four. And these are four fun questions, just whatever's sitting on the top of your head. And the first one is, We've been talking about songs and, and how they evoke emotion. And I know this is going to be a hard question, Grant. So it's the first one that comes to your mind. I have to ask, okay. what is your favorite song of all time and why? That's really not a hard question because I, I in fact, this summer, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Otherwise, I taught a songwriting class online for the last six weeks. It just, uh, just ended on Monday. And so I did a lot of thinking about, you know, great songs to present them to the class. And um, one of my favorite songs, and maybe it's my favorite song of all time, is Somewhere Over the Rainbow, you know, that was written for the movie The Wizard of Oz. It's, I think it's one of the most brilliant melodies and uh, most evocative songs of the last hundred years. It's a great song. That is one of my favorite songs. That's... Okay, that's surprising. I didn't expect that one. See, this is why I asked the Fab Four. This is where we find out all the good stuff. <laughs> now let's have some fun. If you had to give a song title to the year 2020, what would your song title be and why? <laughs> wow. Well, you could, you could go in several directions there. Um, not to be unkind, but just yesterday I saw a meme that said uh, that the soundtrack for this year is going to be sung by Yoko Ono, which, <laughs> which is maybe not meant in, the, in a positive spirit toward Yoko. Sorry for that. But yeah, it's been a, it's been <laughs> a challenging year. What was, the, what was the question again? What would be the title? What, would be the t what title would you give to 2020? Wow. That's a hard one because I want to I wanna, uh, capture all the elements of it, the good and the bad, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad because a lot of people died. That's, that's serious stuff there. And uh, people are still getting sick. 
Oh, boy. I, I, you know, I honestly, I'd have to think about it for longer than a minute to, to reduce it to one title. And maybe because I'm a songwriter, I, I have to be kind of perfectionist about it. I really want to come up with a great title. And a great title should e capture the, the essence of it and uh, more than just one aspect. Hey, what if I, what if I wordsmith it with you and, and we think about yeah. the positivity of faith and hope and love mm -hmm. and the connection of people around the world and the unselfishness of all the frontline workers. That's a good one. That's a good point. See, see every crisis brings out some of the worst characteristics of people, but it also brings out the very best and most hero heroic characteristics of people. It's a real dichotomy. Maybe that's the right word, <laughs> but yet I'd, I'd want to be more specific about it in a title, but there, there is a dichotomy or a study in contrast between, uh, you know, the positive reactions toward these things from uh, people that do, who act selflessly and heroically like the first responders and so on. And, and also just regular people. We're about to have some heroism from, from teachers who are going to face kids, especially the real little ones who aren't very good at, you know, sanitation yet, you know, and they, their noses run and they put their hands in it and that kind of thing. Little kids like kindergarten and nursery school. And uh, that, that's going to present an issue, I think. And so, you know, uh, kudos to the teachers who are going to go back and face that. And just yesterday I had my teeth cleaned and boy, they have to dress up like ro RoboCop now in a dentist office or a doctor's office for that matter, you know, so that everybody doesn't get sick. Well, I'm going to leave you with that, that question. And maybe that's going to be a song that's going to land up on your album next year. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave that question with a to be continued and I will follow up with you. <laughs> I believe you will. <laughs> Now, audiences have been captivated with you, Grant, with emotion and the meaning in your songs. Where does this emotional depth and sense of humor come from? I don't know. I, I think maybe it's a desire. I mean, I have a very strong desire to communicate with people. I really do. And I, I do it mostly with music. You can also do it with with humor, like in social media, I don't, I don't post anything negative or political in nature. That, that just divides people. I'd rather put a cartoon of a cat doing something silly or, you know, something like that than, and make people forget about the, you know, if you just watch those new channels, news channels all day long, you're going to feel bad after a while. It, it brings you down. And I don't want to do things that bring people down. I want to reach out and do things that make them feel better. And even if it's a sad song, you know, sad songs are therapeutic. They, they help you feel, <laughs> they make you feel better because you know you're not alone. You know, if you have a heartbreak or something like that, you tend to listen to sad songs because it makes you feel like you're not alone, like someone else went through the same thing you're going through. And it lets you cleanse those emotions out of you, you know, helps you deal with them. So I don't know. I like to do that. That's, that's what makes me feel good. And when I, that's why I really, the only thing I really seriously miss it's not the traveling, it's the playing songs in a room with people who are right there, a few feet away. And because I can, you know, you can feel when you do an emotional song, you can really feel it coming back to you. Um, the song I See You 
I've, I've done that song many times for audiences and I've had people who were in their 80s crying and I've had people who were in their 20s crying. Maybe they just lost their grandparent or they're thinking about something like that or, or their own parents, for example. And I, I really miss that. I miss not just making people sad, but making people happy and making people laugh. And you, you feel that coming back to you. And that's, that's the one thing I really, really seriously miss. Well, and, and it's basically the connection with people and being in the room as a performer and feeding off the energy of your audience. Right. So just, I mean, the virtual technology that we have is a blessing and it's wonderful, but I can fully feel and hear it in your voice how much you miss performing for an audience. And it is different. It's just not the same. It's, it's okay. And we got to do it because that's all we have right now, but I can't wait to play in the same room with people again as it's so much different. It's so much more rich. Well, I've got a bit of a sense of humor and I thought we could have some fun. So I know we're not outside and I know you're not underneath my window right now, but it's on my bucket list to be serenaded. So do you have a song for me? Hmm. Well, I happen to have a guitar right here. Oh, there it is. Um, how about us? We were just talking about the, the whole situation in the world right now. I wrote a song about that, if you'd like to hear it. Oh, I'd love to hear it. I, I can now be serenaded on my podcast, and there's another thing checked off the bucket list. So take it away, Grant. All right. All right. It's called Waiting for the Good Old Days Again, because it is positive. It's not just, oh, pity us with the bad thing we're going through. I always got to look for that rainbow, like in that song, somewhere over the rainbow. You always got to keep our eye out for that. It is out there, and we'll get through this whole thing. Is that too loud? Should I turn the guitar down a little bit? No, oh. it's it's perfect. I've been down, but not this far. I can't find my good luck star. Dreary road that we've been on You don't miss nothing till it's gone Better days that might have been Drinking late and sleeping in TV's on for ten hours straight I wasn't meant to hide and wait Days get so lonely, my friend When will I see you again? I am isolated and bleeding through my skin I'm just waiting Good old days again. Yes, I'm waiting for the good old days again. 
I worked hard since I was young Mostly made up my own love They say time is on our side Well, tell that to the ones who've died There will come another day Useless talk will blow away Babies born in sunny skies Love and longing in our eyes Days get so lonely, my friend When will I see you again? Isolated and bleeding through my skin. I'm just waiting for the good old days again. Yes, I'm waiting for the good old days again. That's how that one goes. Oh, Grant, that was, that was absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. You're such a gift to the world. And I just, I'm so grateful for your time and expertise and your talent today. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And, and a big shout out to all your listeners. I hope everyone's doing well and being safe. We're going to figure out that, that title for the year. We'll do it together. You have homework. You are the first podcast guest that is leaving the podcast with homework. So I'm following up for sure. Sounds good. I love to end the podcast with my list of five things to live a purposeful life. Follow your heart. Have passion. Do your best. Know your truth. And always be in love with the journey. Thanks for joining me again on Imperfect the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.